welcome to another another episode of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. Today I have with me Tamika Chop. I am Martin. Tamika Chop Martin. I am so excited that you decided to come on. You are yet another daughter of promise. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to have you. Your story is amazing of overcoming and all that God has done along the journey. It has been a journey, but great things have come about because of God the death so of God. So I am, um, I'm excited. Do you mind just taking a minute to just share with the audience, who is Tamika Chop Martin and where are you from? Who are your people? What is uh -oh, girl. <laughs> Let's get into it. So Tamika Deanne Chop was born in Bryan, Texas and was raised in Calvin and Bryan, Texas. Now I'm Tamika Chop Martin because I had the honor of getting married to my college sweetheart, um, Prairie View AM University produces productive people. So we met at Prairie View AM University. Hey, but going back to just my people, like I said, I have a rich history. I have a rich village. Um, currently, I live in Houston, Texas, um, where, like I said, I'm multifaceted. I'm an assistant principal, I'm an entrepreneur, um, I'm in real estate, um, co author of Daughter of Promise, um, a mother. Um, a wife, a friend, a sister, a niece, a cousin, um, a soror. I'm a member of Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Um, I have sisters in the motherhood through Jack and Jill of America. So the Lord has just really blessed me with um, just an avenue of many people um, to help me on this journey. Like I said, I come from humble beginnings and I'm just so excited that I could share my story um, in the book and also share my story. Um, with your viewers, but the most important thing to me is that I'm a believer. Okay, I believe in Christ and Christ is my Lord and Savior. So that's my highest honor. It's all about faith, first of all, my family, and then my circle of concern. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Just an amazing woman. Just amazing. I, I got a little tired talking about all this stuff, but you know what? Thank you for that. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> he allows me the opportunity to do all of that. <laughs> I know, right? So, I mean, and so that, that just kind of leads me to just talk a little bit about what, just how did everything come about? So in the book, you, um, your, your story is called, I promise to use you. Yes, Lord. And so in for God's promise to use you, you talked about how you came from humble beginnings and yep. your parents were teenage parents and you had this village of amazing people that not only supported your mom and, and your mom, but that you in turn, that, that was your legacy and that was your inheritance and it was passed on to you. So one of the things that a lot of people can have a tendency to believe about teenage parents is that their kids will become no one. And mm -hmm. that was not your story. So nope. bring us into that time of your life. So first of all, um, my mom, um, she got pregnant with me when she was 17 years old. And um, man, I'm sure she was scared and all of that good stuff. But again, um, my grandparents allowed her the opportunity to um to carry me because the lord already knew while i was yet in my mother's room he already had a plan for me so my mom always tells me that you know if it wasn't for me growing in her womb as a teenager then who knows where her life might have been um so first of all before i was even birthed into this world i saved my mom's life through slowing her down like she said and allowed her the opportunity to have somebody that she knew that no matter what would love her unconditionally through um, me. Um, so my grandparents helped um, raise me along with my aunts and my uncle and also um, my, my daddy, who I call my dad, my daddy has raised me since I was one years old. And um, just, just a glorious thing to be able to be a part of a village like that. Um, I know we were talking about 
other parts of the vintage, the ancestors that really laid the foundation. So in the city of Calvert, Texas, where my family's from, the chop name is very, very important. Um, my great-great-grandfather came um, from China um, to work on the railroads. And then, of course, he had married a Black woman. This is kind of post-slavery, you know, how that goes. And so just that started the legacy of my family, um, you know, here in the great state of Texas, in the small city of Calvert, um, Texas. And just through those roots, because sometimes I have to go back. I currently reside in Houston, but sometimes I just go back to Calvert to say, Lord, look where you have brought me from. You know, look at the opportunities um, that I have now. Lord, I'm just a little girl from, Cal from Calvert, Texas, by way of Bryan, Texas, because Calvert didn't have a hospital, so I was born in Bryan, Texas. And then later on, my parents moved there for other opportunities for me with schooling and different things like that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I, I, I love the idea that you talk about the rich inheritance of your legacy. And as a people, we don't really have that anymore. One of the things that I just celebrate is that while your mom was a teenage mother, her parents supported her and your mother yeah. went on to be a model for what it should look like for you. And you went on and you are now three degrees in and working on your doctorate. And so when I, I know, right? Yeah. Glory to God, girl. Make me want to dance. Glory to God. I'm telling you. I'll be like, man, Lord, you chose me. Yeah. Like you, I'm so grateful. Like sometimes it gives me the tears. Building <laughs> you, right? So we so when we talk about God using us so your mother was a model for you. Um, and then you are a model for many, you know. And I mean, I don't I don't know what that dynamic was like, but I am sure that your grandparents had a great deal as they supported both you and your mom in this journey that we call life, that it was really, really good. And so in the book, you talk about how how um, your this 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 strong community of supporters <laughs> of the village. We don't live in that society anymore, and you know it made such a difference for you and I. But people, you you talked in the book about how you know it's my four and no more. You know, it, <laughs> we going I'm gonna take care of my house and you take care of yours, or right, whatever right. it may be. So people don't get as involved anymore. Can you bring us into what it was that you spoke to specifically um, in your story that you shared in the Promise Women's Devotional? Well, in the Promise Devotional, um, I prayed and I cried and I prayed and I cried. I said, Lord, what do you want me to deliver to the people? What in my story, in my life that you're gonna use me for right now to bring it to the people. So um, at the age of six years old, um, I was walking with my brother, Jamal, who's three years old, along with my older cousin, Courtney, who's 10 years old. And our grandparents, again, small, small town, our grandparents maybe lived, it went less than a block from each other. And we would do this routine all summer back and forth to the grandparents' house. Well, this one summer day on August the 15th, 1985, I remember vividly, um, 35 years ago this year, um, and sometimes it seemed like it was yesterday, but um, my brother was tragically um, killed in front of me by a drunk driver um, who only served 10 years. Um, she didn't even serve any jail time. She got 10 years probation because the county, Robertson County that I grew up in was not the county. Um, that was real privy to um, certain things, I'm gonna put it like that. So I witnessed my brother um, get killed by a drunk driver at the age of six, um, never had any therapy. Um, I had, like we talked about, I had my village, I had my church, I had, um, you know, just different people in the community. I had my friends to help me through that. But most importantly, at the age of seven, I gave my life to Christ, I asked my pastor, because um, I knew it had to be something something different, something better. I knew the Lord didn't take me through that tragedy for no reason. I knew the Lord spared my life for a reason. And he, the Lord revealed to me in my 20s 
that my brother was born to save my life. Because after I had a vision in my head of what actually the way we were walking, I was the one who was in the back and I was the one who should have been killed by that drug driver. But the Lord spared my life. He gave me my brother. My brother was three years old. And you think about that number three, three, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. So that divine number, he lived that long. You think about how long Jesus lived, 33 years. People need to realize when God has purposed your life, you got to listen. Yeah. You can't just be, be going through life surviving. You got to go through life thriving. And so uh, that's what I talk about in the book. The Lord is using me to be a witness to his people to let you know that through tragedy, you can see tomorrow. Because there can be no day without night. There can be no joy without pain. You know, there can be no harvest without sowing. If you have one, you have to have the other. You're not going to always have happy days. You got to have some sad days. You're not going to always have a drought. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have the rain. So that's what I talk about in the book. Like from trial to triumph, I went from test to testimony. Like, but in order to have a testimony, you have to be tested. That's right. That's right. That, that is so <laughs> awesome because oftentimes we want the testimony but we don't want to go through the test. We don't want to test. We don't want to go through it. Mm. Yeah, and the test. We don't want to go through those things, but those things actually produce greatness in us. So, That's it. you know, um, the Bible says that our trials come to make us stronger. And, you know, in the moment, you don't feel like that. You know, you feel mm -hmm. defeated sometimes. You feel overwhelmed by the pain, you know? And so I, I'm just so grateful that even in your loss, you could still see that there was still something more for Tamika. And so I love it that you you understood that at, at some point, and it sounds like it, it took about um, 13 years for God to really bring you into the full understanding that, you know, this wasn't by accident. And sometime in tragedy, we want to talk it away like, oh, no, that was an accident. It wasn't supposed to go that way. And we, we have all of our human ways of thinking, not really always considering that God has a plan too. And sometimes yes, God will cause the sacrifice of another to save someone else. And that is what you are saying in your story that, hey, you know, at, at 20 years old, God spoke to me. He spoke to my heart about this thing. But a, a year after your brother passed away, as a child, you decided <laughs> to give your life to Jesus. I and did. so, yeah. you know, so while we're talking about the village, right? There was the, there was the Lord, there was the Holy Spirit that was the, there to light your way. He was also a part of the, the full plan for your life. Yeah. And, you know, we were just talking about how even in the day-to-day, -day, God is still healing. God is still causing you to become the fullness of the woman of purpose that he's called you to. And so God is just real, real good like that even in the midst of tragedy. Yes, he is. And, the, and that's the thing, like you said, I could have, I could have went crazy. You know, I could have been out there, you know, wanted to just, you know, woe is me and Lord questioning God. And of course, I mean, as a kid, I didn't really know how to question God. I'm just like, why is this occurring in my life? And um, my, like you said, my family has always just supported me. And sometimes they probably overloved me you know what I mean if that's if, that's <laughs> if that could be if, if somebody could overlove you um and because you know with that with that void you know we were all trying to fill that void um of my brother um being gone even I have a brother now my brother Marcus um he was born in 1991 and um we are 12 years apart and he's like my baby and he looks so much like my brother Jamal yet he has his own distinct characteristics and so we were like so elated that the Lord blessed us with another you know I got another brother and I had the opportunity to help name him and he's like my baby he's a grown man now but he's like my baby 
and he is just a joy, but he's even connected to our brother Jamal and he never ever met him, but spirit, his spirit, you know, his spirit still lives. And so it lives in each and every one of us. Matter of fact, I even see his spirit in my children. I have two girls, um, Chloe 11 and Cadence is six. And I can see my, the spirit of my brother in each of them and especially my little one. Um, she, she reminds me so much of my brother. And if, you know, if I was to tell you stories about my brother, people would think he lived to be so old, but at, you know, he was three years old. And I mean, like Jess had turned three. Matter of fact, his birthday was um, June 1st of 1985. You know, he turned three. And then at August 15th of 1985, he, um, he went to go live with the Lord. Wow. Okay, so, so, let's, so let's backtrack. So one of the things that you said in the book that was really outstanding to me, you spoke to the fact that you were six and this was your earliest childhood memory about the loss of your brother. What do you remember about being in that moment? How did you guys get help? I'm just thinking it's an ordinary day. You are doing something on the same path that you have always done it on routine, right? Like you said. Like autopilot. (laughs) Yes. So forever, you guys were going from grandma to grandma. It's only a block away. Surely, like we always have, we are going to make it to our destination. And so when that didn't happen, is there, what do you recall or can you recall anything about your response to what was happening? And see, that's the thing. You know what, the Lord blocked out a lot of that. Um, He blocked out a lot of it. Like, I really can't remember too much about it. And I'm sure it's buried deep down in my memory. But in order for me to be able to function, um, the Lord blocked a lot of that out of my memory. Like, sometimes my family will refresh my memory on certain things. um, And I'll be like, you know, I'll have a moment and I have to go back and really think in my mind about Okay, but one of the last things I can remember is just I saw a lot of lights. So I'm going to assume that those were the, you know, the police and ambulance and whatever coming out. But that's the only thing that I can really remember is just lights and a lot of people around me and me probably not even fathoming what went on until, you know, we had to actually um, have the funeral service. So out from you know, that it like us walking, like I said, walking from my grandmother's house to the other grandmother's house. And then, you know, my brother getting, getting killed and the lady actually drugged my brother. And she, matter of fact, she thought she had hit a dog because she was drunk. And so, um, you know, I, the Lord blocked a lot of uh, that out of my memory. Um, the prosecutor in that town, um, in that county, um, did not want me to testify. And, you know, that's something that still haunts my mom, you know, to this day, because it's like, well, maybe if they would have let my baby testify, or maybe if they would have let my older cousin say some things, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some other outcomes might have happened, but the outcome that happened was the outcome, and we had, and it took us a minute to, to deal with that, the outcome that happened was the outcome that was divinely aligned by God. And I'm so glad that he blocked a lot of that out of my memory so I would be able to function and flourish and be a warrior for him and be able to spread the good news and be able to, like you said, though I have been tested and though the circumstances that I was born into and the circumstances that I went through at an early age where it could have destroyed me, as long as I could look up, I can get up and I can keep moving and doing what his will is for my life. Even though I have free will and you know, as in the flesh, we use our free will sometimes, but I'm so convicted by the Holy Spirit that now I'm like, okay, Lord, let me get myself in line because that's not what you want me to do. Yeah, and that's 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 the beauty of it of it all. And I just believe that when you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, it helps you to get back in alignment real quick. You know, uh, one of the things that you had shared with me in your pre-interview is that you were just talking about 
how losing your brother, you wanted to be the perfect child to your parents. And when I think about that, I'm like, okay, were you in the background? Did you feel like, um, so what came out of whatever it is that you were dealing with was perfection. So Mm -hmm. I I have to be the perfect student. I have to be the perfect Mm -hmm. this. My behavior needs to be this. And you became the good girl. But then you talked about how it became weighty. It was overwhelming. And so then you talked about how as you shifted into your adult years, you carried that, I'm going to call it a stigma of Mm -hmm. perfection with you. Because as much as we would like to puff ourselves up about being so good, without God, we ain't that good. (laughs) We ain't nothing. Dirty, filthy rags, girl. Hello. (laughs) So, you know, I, I just, I, when I think about a kid carrying that kind of weight, you know, and feeling like you needed to make up for what went wrong, um, help me, bring me into a deeper understanding of how the, the perfection, how you saw it then, and then how it translates into your adult years of life. Um, well, that was stemmed out of the, you know, I know my parents were hurting. My parents were young, you know, 23 and 24 years old, and I did not want them to suffer anymore. So like you said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that kid who got in trouble. I didn't want to be that kid who didn't um, make them proud. And not only them, but um, like my grandparents, because my grandmother was like my biggest cheerleader. Um, and I wanted her to see my name in the paper, you know, for A's. I wanted to be the smartest student in the class. I want to be the best reader. I want to be the best mapper. And after a while, like you say, that kind of plays on you because when you do make a mistake, you feel like you have not only let yourself down, but you have left let your whole family down. And me, I didn't never want to let my family down, even though nobody put this on me. This right. was something kid I put on myself like my, my family was like whatever you want to do you know we're going to su- you know support you and do what we can do to help you I put this thing of perfection on myself because that was the way that I felt like I could help heal them if I didn't take them through any pain by not being perfect yeah. you know I'm making mistakes. Okay, they're not going to have to put me because I'm not going to do that. Okay, they're not going to have to come to the school because I'm not going to go to the principal's office. Okay, they're not going to not be able to be proud of me because I'm going to be the best runner. I'm going to be whatever I did, I wanted to be the best. And like you said, in adulthood, that weighed so heavy on me because as I, you know, got into married life, into school and um, college and different things like that and, and work, it's like I can't always you know, be at that 1000% because I'm going to wear myself out. But I'm not at that percentage of giving in my all all the time because I need to go back and rejuvenate and refresh who I am, both in spirit, um, you know, in in body and in mind. If if I'm not functioning at that level, then how is everybody going to feel about me? You know, Mm -hmm. I disappoint, you know, people. I didn't want to disappoint my husband and then my husband you know he was my fiance before then before he was my fiance he was my boyfriend so you just don't want to disappoint but it weighs on you and you kind of you know just kind of lose you know i i just kind of lost tamika trying to be the perfect tamika for everybody else if that makes sense like i lost i was trying to be this perfect person nobody asked me to be but who I thought I had to be so I wouldn't hurt other people. Yeah, that's um, the, the, the self-infliction, right? Yeah. Sometimes we take the weight of things or we, 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 what I try to help people to understand is that whatever happens, we talked about this on the pre-interview, I was talking about whatever happens in our life, it don't just happen to us, it happens in us. And mm-hmm. when it happens in us, we cognitively assign, uh, um, what does this mean to me? Yes. 
you know, we give it an yeah. assignment. We give, we define it and it becomes our truth. So it. here it is. You said, I don't want my parents to hurt anymore. So I'm going to become this. Yeah. And what this will do in your mind is that this will make them happy. And they yeah. don't have to be so sad because of the loss of Jamal. You yeah. know, um, they won't have to, they, they can be happy because now they have a daughter that is doing these good things yes. and all of that is great. But to your point, at some point, you just want to be human. <laughs> you Amen. Can be smart. You can, right. be, you can be a lot of different things, but can you just rest in your humanness? Come on now. That is, that is, and I believe that for a lot of people, that is the, the area of life where we really, really battle. Like we are in warfare with oneself because it's yes, like, okay, in, in the corporate world or in my career, I wear this hat and I'm expected to excel and, you know, yeah. I started at the top and I can't go to the bottom. I can't come down at all. Well, you know what? Life sometime will happen. And, you know, sometimes this is, this is more what life looked like. That's but this and the constant climb, that is not real life. But you, you can get up here and just go, boom. Exactly. <laughs> it is like, what the heck? Right. Right. So those things are more possible than constantly hanging out on the mountain. Sometimes valley seasons are necessary to take you back to the top, to give you That's another it. look, a new perspective, some growth and all of that. And then life happens again. And you come back to the valley to learn your lessons we talked about um, the promise to use you, but I talked to you about life lessons because yeah. the more we talked and the more we talked about who you are and what you do, who you've become as a woman, a mother, a wife, a friend, a daughter, a sister, a granddaughter, all of these things, sure. it's just like there were some things that happened along the way that helped you to discover the best parts of who you are. And it wasn't because you were perfect. That's it. And like you said, sometimes, you know, that imper those imperfections have to be exposed and you have to, and another thing I think it ties to, okay, if I'm not perfect, then will people care about me? Will they, you know, will they still reverence me if I'm not perfect, if I'm not always um, being the one? And sometimes I would quiet myself in order to let other people shine so yeah. that I wouldn't be, I would be that perfect friend. I'm the perfect cheerleader. I'm going to kind of dim myself a little bit so that somebody else can be honored because that makes me look like the perfect person in their eyes they don't feel like i'm trying to challenge them or they don't feel like i'm trying to um just i don't know be and it's not i only i don't compete against anybody but myself but sometimes it's just like man i know i can do certain things but if i'm going to be the perfect friend to this individual or if i'm going to be the perfect wife then i need to kind of uh, a little bit so they can shine but then who am i hurting if i'm not giving glory unto god through my gifts because if i don't use the gifts that god have given me he gonna give them to somebody else right. you know what I'm, if I'm not using them it's like hey i gave you that you know you oh i'm giving you the gift i call it the gift of gab i'm giving you the gift to talk and be able to do certain things and you're gonna waste it then okay well guess what we gonna move on and move that to somebody else who's gonna use it to glorify me Period. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's amazing as we, you know, as we are talking about this, um, this perfection, you made a statement that really made me chuckle, but I just love the fact that you were able to recognize that there is a part of me that 
is a hood chick. That's where I come from. I can I can do that. And then over here, yep. I am smart and I can excel um, on an intellectual level. And so I just love the fact that you could be bilingual like that, that you could, you know, that you could, um, that your personality was is multifaceted in that you don't have to just sometimes people want to put you in a box and like you said all of this right here is tamika all of this is tamika you know like you said um growing up it's like oh i don't want nobody to know that i'm growing up i'm on the west side of Bryan, texas and i grew up off of mlk street and then you know anytime any town is in mlk street you know how negative connotations in their mind but also i'm the gifted and talented student you know what i mean exactly i'm the track girl i'm the jock so who says i can't be all of these individuals and all of these individuals are not who i am and i used to compartmentalize it's like okay when i'm home in my hood quote unquote i'm gonna be that chick and then when i'm in my class one of the only people that look like me in the gift in the class, I'm gonna put on my glasses so I can see because I ain't want nobody, I ain't want nobody else to know I wear glasses. I'm gonna put my glasses on. I'm gonna be the nerd in this moment. And then when I put, take my glasses, I'll put them in my book bag and then walk out to the track. Now I'm the jock, I'm the super, the track star. And I'm like, God made me to be all of these individuals. Why do I have to be a chameleon and feel like I have to be one person here and one person there? Lord, if I integrate all of these Tamikas together and show everybody the whole Tamika, the whole brain Tamika who, yeah, I love math and science, but I also love to dance and I love to sing and I love to do poetry and I love to run. Like, why can't I be all that God has called me to be? Because again, going back to my brother, I have to live my life on purpose with purpose daily and who cares who gets mad at who I am because this is who God has created me to be. You know what I mean? And he didn't have the opportunity to fulfill the life that we thought he was supposed to fulfill. He fulfilled the life to be able for me to be able to do what I do for the glory unto God. Because I know without God, I'll be crazy. Without Jesus, I would, I'm just a dirty, filthy rag. You know, with out you know the lord who am i he is my rock and my redeemer he is the lion and the lamb you know he is the beginning and the end he is the end and the beginning so before we even was birthed into this world he already knew what the finish line was going to be and if i just pray daily lord order my steps and he ain't going to reveal all 10 steps at one time he might reveal half a step he yeah. might reveal one step you know what I mean? Because if we could see everything that he could see, it would blow our mind and we might get scared. Oh, Lord. I don't know how to all of that, Lord. You know what I mean? Right. It's such a blessing for me to even be connected to 129 other women who are so multifaceted with so many different experiences and so many different stories. And the Lord knew this was happening in 2020 during a pandemic. Yes. The Jabez prayer enlarging our territory in the midst of a pandemic. It, glory unto God. You know what I'm saying? Like they say, won't he do it? Will he, won't he? He done done it. I and know. Do it because it's glory unto him. We put ourselves, we hide ourselves behind the cross and give him the glory. And of course, we're still flesh. We're still dirty, filthy rags. We're still balancing out our wretchedness and our righteousness because we are flesh. <laughs> Period. I love the right righteousness. <laughs> now you know I got I got to put that up somewhere. <laughs> Girl, but thank God that we are becoming more righteous than ratchet. You yeah. know what I mean? Thank God. I mean, even these rap songs. And I did, girl. I did some on this. And I'm just talking. But I did this talk. I said, people. I said, it's the what's that group? Um, they sing the song "Walking Like I'm Talking." I can't think of them back. The Migos. Oh, okay. I'm talking. I said, I don't care. I said, I can take anything in this world. If the Lord can use a rock, he can definitely use the Migos. People need to walk it like they talk it. You know what I mean? You can't just be out here, oh, woe is me, and I'm going to sit here, and I'm all holier than thou, and 
blah, 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 blah. And then you gossiping about somebody writing the church or whatever. You know what I mean? You got to reach the people. It's time out for just sitting and thinking that we got to be in a building. Yeah, we're supposed to fellowship amongst, you know, believers in a local church. That's in the word. However, Jesus went out in the streets. Right. Jesus wherever he needed to go. And so, like you said, he created me to be all of those individuals so that I can spread the good news to all of those individuals. Because I can go now, I'm an assistant principal, I can go talk to the coaches, I can go talk to the, the brainiacs, I can go talk to um, the superintendent, I can go talk to the janitors, you know, I can go talk to any of them because I can relate to all of them yeah. by being raised in the community that I was raised in, being multifaceted and, and being all of those Tamikas, meshing all of those Tamikas in one to glorify God. Because anywhere I go, in any environment I'm in, whether I'm talking to a homeless person or a crackhead or dope fiend up to if I needed to talk to President, o President Obama, <laughs> I can do that because that's who God has created me to be. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, so you you mentioned something that stood out. You talked about walking like you talk it. Um, you talked about um you talked about us not being over spiritual. And you shared a story with me that really, really stood out. And I'm just so grateful for once again your village because your biological father was not consistently around and his family did not really embrace you because you were born out of wedlock and he was a minister of the gospel. But being a minister of the gospel, <laughs> would hope that his heart was connected to understanding humanity and yeah. guiding people with love and helping them to understand that yes, this was done out of order, but that you're still loved and you can repent and you can be forgiven. And you know, this is my grandbaby period and we're gonna love her and we're gonna take care of her, but you didn't get that. And I, my heart breaks because he is not the only one. He is not the only one who has caused church hurt, if you will, but this wasn't yeah. even church. This was family. This yeah. was, this is family, you know, and because of who you are or you think of yourself more highly than you ought because you know the word of God, but in your knowing, you're still not walking it like you talk it. Right. Because there is a love from God, no matter, it's called unconditional. That's it. He placed conditions on God's word concerning his family, concerning his son's child, you know, and, you know, it just, that can just be so mind boggling sometime when I think about myself, I wasn't raised in the church. And while yeah. I gave my heart to the Lord at eight years old, you have to walk that out. You know, you so it wasn't, that's my story in the book. It wasn't until I was pregnant out of wedlock, like, like your mother, but I wasn't 17 years old. I was 26. So it's not just the young people that get yeah, caught yeah. up in these things. You know what I'm saying? It's not just young people, but that is the thing that made me run to the Lord. So Amen. what if somebody had told me, well, because you're pregnant that, you know, um, we're not going to have anything to do with you. I wasn't cut off. I was embraced by my family. I was loved and supported. And I just, it breaks my heart that this man of God, and I won't take <laughs> that from him. I just find that that's a flaw of his own. He too is human. And so maybe his understanding is off or was off or whatever. Is he still living, Tamika? Um, no. And the thing about it is, you know what? Um, so I had my 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 aunt, my biological father's one of my aunts, she made sure that I was connected to that part of my family, you know, even with 
you know, my biological father being up and down um, in my life. And we came to a consensus at 14, when I was 14 years old, and we had some talks and um, lost him um, some years ago. And you know what? The Lord gave me the opportunity to for us to be able to amend um, that. And then even before my paternal um, biological grandfather passed away, um, my maternal grandfather, um, I was graduating from high school. Um, I was just, I, I was 17, about to turn 18 years old. And he asked my paternal, um, I mean, my maternal grandfather, my mom's father, um, my papa, my daddy, um, I call him daddy as well. But anyway, um, he asked him me to bring him to the, his home. And you know what, even though he didn't all out say, cause that generation was that, that, that not apology type of generation. Yeah. Him welcoming me and asking my grandfather to bring me there and him wanting to give me a graduation gift when I was graduating from high school helped me to mend that in my heart um, before he passed away some years later. Um, and so he did realize, you know, before it was too late, um, you know, just how his flesh had betrayed him. Um, and again, that's all to the glory of God. Um, that's all to the people who were always there for me, helping me to understand that this is something that I had to do and not harbor unforgiveness in my heart. Because if I'm letting people live rent free in my head and live rent free in my heart, then that's going to block some of the blessings that God has for me. So I forgave him when I was about 18 years old. Um, my paternal um, biological grandmother, sweet woman, always was there for me, even though she didn't have much. And I wasn't able to be in her life like she wanted me to do. Um, she always kept in touch with my um, with my grandparents, with my mother's parents. And so, and then I had my aunt and her children. So that was a connection that I had. It might not be that direct connection, but that was a connection to I had. I had until this day. Uh, we have strengthened that, and I and I give all honor to God um, for that. Because again, all men sin and fall short of the glory of God, whether they whether we are called into the ministry or not. So I did not hold that, you know, against him as a man of God who was called to preach in the pulpit. Because there were some things that the Lord had to refine within him in yeah. order for him to see um, the beauty um, that came out of those. Um, just out of what they out of that sin, because again, no matter what, God is going to get the glory. Period. Period. With period. Period. With a T. You know, yeah. we can go. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's that. But you know what? Like I was telling you, whoever was not on the Tamika train to help me be who I, I was, my family always told me they're missing out, and one day they're going to wish that they had bought that ticket. You know. And hopefully they don't get their ticket too late. Yeah, that I, that is just awesome. I I love your story because it it just seemed like at every stop, at every challenge, God was meeting you right there. Like, yeah, no, we're we're this yeah. is going to over the time and in the process it will all come to the place that it's supposed to. So that is the part that I love because I didn't get that part in the pre-interview. So it just, it just really helps. Like even for me, it helps my heart to smile because he was deceived. He was deceived for whatever reasons. He mm -hmm. had his own issues, but for him to come to a place where he could humble himself and to ask, that you would come and that you came. Yeah. You know? And and so that was just so beautiful. But in your coming, you found a space to forgive him and mm -hmm. move on from that. So that thing no longer has a weight on your shoulders, you know. And you know, with on the Tamika train, it was a lot of people <laughs> on the Tamika train. train. The Holy Spirit brought that to me, girl. <laughs> Girl, I love it though. But on the Tamika train, there were plenty of people that were sewing and speaking life over you, being a model and example for who you are to become. The example was set for you despite how it started. Yep. And so I just I just really love that. 
I am so, so grateful that we were able to make this happen. And I know, right? Yes. We get to party on that one. Okay. I'm going to be doing these interviews, girl. I'm going to have to give me, well, a, a, a lighting squad or some girl, but that's all right. God is good. We're going to work that thing out and help. Guess what? Guess what? God going to be glorified. God. Yes, he is. You know what? It is just, um, it, it's an honor and a privilege to just sit here with you. We not even getting ready to be worried about no light. I can see you, therefore the audience will too. But you know, even on the podcast, they will only hear our voices. They will not see us. But on my YouTube channel, they yeah. will have the privilege of taking part in both. So God is good. Um, he gets all the glory yes, and I just does. wanted to say thank you so much, uh, for sharing what I would like for you to do at this time is to just share a couple of nuggets that you would like the audience to take away with, from this conversation and that they could use to be encouraged when they face challenges. First of all, I just want the audience to know that no matter what circumstances that you are born into, um, no matter if you grow up in a rural city or, I mean, rural town or a major city, if you continue to seek God and say, Lord, order my steps, you're not going to not be exposed to weapons. Again, it says in the word that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But it didn't say the weapons wouldn't come for you. So sometimes you got to be like the matrix and kind of, you know, <laughs> you know because they're going to come for you, but they will not prosper. So you got to keep yourself grounded in the Lord. Secondly, you got to take care of you. Yes. you remember who you are. And first of all, you got to remember who you are in Christ. And that's how I roll. I'm by faith. So I need to know who I am in Christ. And you don't let anybody else deter you from what God said you can do. Be positive. Speak life into yourself because life and death is in the tongue. I wrote, I was at a vision board party and um, my friend, um, her name is Kim. We went to Prairie View together. Shout out to Kim. And also Dr. Kimberly Ellison, uh, my line sister, who brought um, me together with these beautiful Daughters of Promise. I'm so um, shout out to her on that as well. But I wrote down that I'm going to be a world-renowned author and speaker. I wrote that of about two, maybe three years ago. And I put that um the whiteboard thing on my bathroom door so I can look at it every time I go in and out the bathroom and look at what God has brought to life. Yes. For you to have a vision, you have to be a visionary. You have to write it out. You have to speak it. So again, speak things as if they are, not as if they are not. So those are the things I would like to leave um, with your audience. Awesome. 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 I love it. The, and to see the vision come to pass, what I like is that you kept your vision in front of you. So you yeah. have to be looking at it too, you know? And so I'm just so, so grateful for just your, your energy is just, I, I love it. I love all of the Tamikas. <laughs> Girl, okay. I love it. I love it. And so, um, so the, the final thing that I'm going to ask you to do is that if you would share your social media handles and I don't, do you have a website? Um, I have my daughter of promise website, girl, I have several websites, so we're going to go through the whole thing. So you can reach me on LinkedIn, Tamika Chop Martin, because there might be some more Tamika Martins out there. I'm on IG unyielding realty group. I'm also on Facebook, Tamika Chop Martin. But again, I, I'm in real estate. So my real estate is tamikacmartin.kwrealty.com. And I also have a new thing, Glam and Girlfriends. That's another thing that I got going. The Lord put that in my life right now. So Glam and Girlfriends. So be on the lookout for Glam and Girlfriends. And I have um, my IG um, for Glam and Girlfriends. It's Glam and Girlfriends 2020. And Glam is an acronym um, for go-getter. 
leader, advocator, motivator. So the Lord is just so just planting so many seeds. And guess what? I'm going to, you know, sow good seeds. I'm going to nurture those things. And guess what? Whenever they growing, I'm going to reap that harvest. Awesome. 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 Tamika Chop Martin. Thank you so much, girl. Thank you, Thank you Coach Love. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and you know what? I want to say before we stop, when the first time that me and you talked, I just felt that kindred spirit energy. And even though we have not physically been together, just the spirit, your spirit radiates through this computer, your spirit radiates through the phone. Um, I'm just so honored that the Lord aligned us together at, the, at a, such a time as this. And I know this is only the beginning of great things for you. This is only the beginning of great things for me. And this is only the beginning of great things for all the daughters of promise as we go out and spread the good news. Amen. And I feel the same way. I mean, we talked about just we were instant sisters. And <laughs> yes. I was just like, this is so interesting. But it is, it is amazing because when you connect in the spirit, sometimes that connection is even stronger than the blood, the natural, yes. you know, connection. The spirit is that much stronger. And so I am just so grateful again to have you. Thank you for gracing us with your amazing story and the lessons that you bring to so many. And I just know that there are going to be many to be blessed by all that you are. So thank you so much, Tamika, for coming on. And I look forward to having you on again. <laughs> I'm ready, girl. Let me know whenever you're ready. We're going to get it popping as always. I know, right? All right, sweetie. I will see you soon. And thanks so much for coming on. Bye now. Thanks so much. Bye-bye,